0: I might as well say it right away. This is going to be our last Sunday for the Christmas holidays when we're together. And so uh, we'll meet again, I guess, when they left some restrictions. But uh, we will now be restricted to 25 or so, which, uh, whatever. That's the decision that was made, and uh, we'll see then how that goes. We'll try to record services. So anybody who's involved in in doing recordings and has been before, we haven't contacted you yet, and so uh, we'll we'll see if we can get that going again. Well, why don't we start our service on a better note? Uh, take your hymn books and let's sing number one two seven, "Angels We Have Heard on High." One two seven. Welcome to all our guests here this morning. We're glad that you've joined us, and we trust that we will be mutually encouraged in our faith as we worship together. I greet you in the name of the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the blessed and only Sovereign, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see to him be honor and eternal dominion amen Amen. this morning i want to read for you uh, a passage from isaiah chapter 11 as our opener for today first 11 verses chapter isaiah 11 the first 11 verses a great promise And this promise came about 700 years before Christ. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like an ox. The nursing child shall play over the whole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, And his resting place shall be glorious. In that day, the Lord will extend his hand yet a second time to recover the remnant that remains of his people from Assyria, from Egypt, from Pathros, from Cush, from Elam, from Shinar, from Hamath, and from the coastlands of the sea. This is the God whom we worship. He knows who belongs to him, and he will recover his remnant. Would you please stand and pray with me? Our Father in heaven, who is there in heaven besides you? You alone are ruler of heaven and earth. You alone sit in authority over all that is seen and unseen. You alone sought out from the children of man a people who, like Abraham, believe God. We worship you this morning, and we ask that you help us put aside the distractions of this week and fix our gaze on you. Would you hear us as we pray the way Jesus taught us? Our Father, which art in heaven would you be seated? Let's keep singing together. Turn in your hymn books to number 137, the first Noel. 137. sing, don't we? And now we have a treat. At least, its I think it's a treat. Who, who knows? That's what I thought. <laughs> so I, I, uh, I found an English translation that was rhythmically good, but didn't translate accurately. And so with the help of someone else, I put together a translation that is more accurate to the text and mostly fits the rhythm. If you want to try it, give it a go. I'm going to sing. I'm going to sing German.
1: That we have been given today is in three different areas of the Bible, so uh, I'm going to ask you to, if you have your Bible to open them up and read along with me if you care, and I will, uh, then give you, I'll give you time and I'll tell you where it is, so it's going to be a busy morning up here, <laughs> and I will be reading out of the uh, New International Version, if that's all right with you. So the first one will be Micah, Micah chapter 5, verses 2 to 5. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of uh, Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be the ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times, And therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor gives birth. And the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely for them his greatness. His greatness will reach to the ends of the earth and he will be their peace. And on the second one, we'll move over to. Uh, let's go to Psalm, Psalm eighty, and we'll read Psalm eighty one to seven. So, if you have your Bibles, open them up, and we'll read together if you want to. Okay. Hear us, O shepherd of Israel, you who led Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Awaken your might, come and save us. Restore us, O God, make your face shine upon us that we may be saved." O Lord God Almighty how long will your anger smolder against the prayers of your people you have fed them with the bread of tears you've made them drink tears by the bowlful you have made us a source of contention to our neighbors and our enemies mock us now restore us O God Almighty Make your face shine upon us, that we may be saved. And now we'll go to uh, the New Testament. We'll go to Luke. Well, this is a little bit of a long one this time, so I might have to catch my breath in between. We'll start with uh, Luke 5. Let's start where it says, Mary is visiting Elizabeth. At that time, Mary got ready, Were you ready to read it? Okay. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zacharias' home and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in the womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And then we have Mary's uh, words as, as a song. And Mary said, My soul praises the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Let's pause for a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you because you are Lord and possessor of heaven and earth. You saw the state of your people. And moved your servant Asaph to, to write uh, Psalm 80, a cry to you on behalf of your people, that they should be remembered and see your salvation. You spoke through your servant Micah, who foretold the coming of your son, that he would come in strength and be the shepherd of your people, and that through him your people would have peace and security." You sent your spirit and moved Elizabeth to greet the mother of our Lord with words of blessing. And by your spirit, you brought forth out of Mary's mouth words of praise from a humble hearer that declare your mercy and exalt, and exalt your name. For these things we thank you, Father, and ask you that you receive our praises. Make us truly humble so that we do not need to be brought low and that we might see clearly the mercy that you have showered upon us. Thank you for sending us Jesus Christ in the flesh to save us from our sins. Hallowed be thy name. Amen. Thank you, Max and Doreen.
0: Good scriptures there. There are a lot of scriptures that point us to the events that we're celebrating right now. Let's take our bulletins for a moment and look at some of the goings-on in our church. First of all, our missionaries of the week are k and K. I would encourage you to not only to pray for them, but if you think of it, maybe even drop them a line, write them a note, um, um, connect with them and encourage them in the place where they are. Uh, Christmas Day service will begin here, Uh, I guess, oh yeah, I guess that announcement doesn't matter anymore, does it? No Christmas Day service. No New Year's Eve service. And church office hours over Christmas are as follows. Uh, We'll be open till noon on the 24th and the 31st and uh, will be closed all day, December 27, 28, and January 3. Wednesday afternoon Bible study is taking a break till January 5. Um, today we'll have men's and women's Sunday school, and then we'll break again till January 9. So come today. And for uh, people on committees, uh, chair people especially, uh, it's time to write your reports. Susan would like to have those in by the 14th of January. Please have them in on time and submit them by email if you could. And also our church planning sessions are coming up. Um, we would like as many as possible to sign up for this. We want a lot of involvement from our church. And the, uh, the sign-up sheets you are in the back and in the side here. Uh, please sign up. You, And when you sign up, it it requires an email there. If you don't have an email, that's no problem. Sign up, and uh, we'll get you an email. (laughs) Even if you don't have internet, we're going to make this work. So we will help you. Just sign up if if you are willing to participate. Today is the deadline, so uh, even if you're maybe a bit doubtful, uh, sign up. It's better than the other way around. Events coming up. If you're looking for something to do today, you can go drive out to Winkler Bible Camp. They've got a little bit of a light show. They've got about a two-kilometer drive. They, uh, they're asking for $10. It's, a, it's just a fundraising event. Go and enjoy the scenery at, uh, at Winkler Bible Camp. And then our, uh, looking to some of our people here, John Lepke, is, his garage is uh, underway. We raised money for that, and we're so thankful for the response there. Uh, he's still a few dollars short, so if you're willing to top that up, uh, you can do that and make your checks out to the church. And then we have a uh, uh, number of people with health concerns. That list has been growing and uh, recently. Uh, Peter Thiessen, who uh, uh, fell and broke his hip, is recovering at home now from surgery and things seem to be going well so pray for him and for Marge as she cares for him um, Olga Friesen and Betty Reimer both are in hospital well Betty Reimer is in Emerson but uh, Olga's in the hospital and they're both suffering with cancer um, and that they both seem to be heading in one direction there also pray for uh, others who have recently co- gone into the hospital Peter Hamm, Bill Harder Mary Hildebrandt, and Dietrich Martins. It's been a bit of a heavy couple of weeks here, hasn't it? And uh, these next announcements uh, um, remind us of that. Uh, Elvira Fraze, mother to Grant and Carrie Martins, has uh, passed away. <clears throat> Elvira Fraze passed away Tuesday, December 7. A private family service was held she was a mother to Grant and Carrie Martins. Harry Brown passed away Wednesday, December 8. A private family service was held. He was a brother to Bill and uh, Jane Brown, to Ed and Trudy Brown, and to Margaret Brown. Corny Weens passed away Monday, December 13. A private service was held on Thursday. He was the husband to Sue Weens and a father to Judy and Jake Unruh and a brother-in-law to Anne Weintz, Helen Teeson, Ann Teeson, Dorothy Friesen, John Teeson, and A.L. and Helen Friesen. Sarah Penner passed away on Wednesday, December 15th. A private service will be held. She was a wife to Abe Penner. And then two that are not in the bulletin, Henry Siemens, passed away on... Um, these are the notes that I lost on Friday, I think. Is that right? No. 15th, 16th. Thursday, the 16th, Henry Siemens passed away, and a private family uh, service will be held. And Leona Berg passed away on Friday, the 17th, and a funeral is planned for Tuesday for the family. So, let's remember all these families in our prayers. It's a lot of Thinking and grieving going on. I'll call the ushers forward at this time. And I'll ask you to stand and pray with me, please. Let's pray together. Our Father in Heaven, um, it's a bit of a heavy week, heavy two weeks, heavy months. And we come to you as a people who, uh, we love you, we rejoice in you, we praise you, and sometimes um, life seems a little heavy. It's a little heavy with illness, heavy with death, heavy with COVID restrictions, and uh, we thank you that your word tells us that you pay attention to those who are oppressed, And sometimes that's how we feel. Father, we want to lift up to you our missionaries of the week, K&K. You know where they are. We pray, Father, that you would give them the joy of the Lord, that in their work they they would find joy, and in you they would find joy, and they would celebrate with glad hearts the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh to save us from sin. I pray, Father, that you would um, be active with them in their relationships, that there would be good relationship building in, in the work that they do and in the neighbors, with the neighbors that they have. And I pray, Father, that your purpose for K&K would be fulfilled um, as you are at work in them. And I pray that they would be able to see some of the fruit of their labor, that they might be encouraged and strengthened. Then we also pray, Father, that you would protect their marriage, and that you would protect their faith. Father, we also pray for our church. We're going to be entering some planning sessions to look uh, at the future and how we how we want to go into the future. And we pray, Father, that you'd go before us, that your hand would be there, that your spirit would be there preparing us to uh, to have a discussion. And we thank you for Daryl Kaler, who's help, willing to help us walk through that discussion. And We pray that it will be fruitful for this body, Father. We ask also that Your will would be done in the lives of people who suffer and of those who walk with them. You've heard the list of those who are in, are in hospital and and uh, recovering, and those who are not recovering, those who are dying. Father, you know you know their need, you know where they're at, and we pray, especially Father, for those who are nearing death, that you would protect them from the evil one. For we know that he has no love for us and wants only to destroy our faith. And so, Father, I pray that you would protect and keep the faith of those who are dying. Pray that you would also strengthen our faith as those of us who suffer with things that are not life-threatening, but a constant presence. It's not always easy. And I just pray that as we go through these sufferings, that, you would, that we would be open to your spirit, that we would be open to your teaching, that we would be open to what you want to do in our hearts and minds. Then, Father, we also bring before you those who grieve, and there's a long list. Father, you know each one there who is grieving. And even even besides these, there are some who have passed away uh, very recently, for whom it is still fresh. And we ask, Father, that your spirit would be poured out on those who grieve, that you would comfort those who mourn, that they would sense your powerful embrace, and that they would uh, sense that they are anchored in your love and in your peace. And I pray that you would smother them with your love and your peace. And Father, also pray for us as a body. We're still all over the map in how we we see COVID. And it cuts through all over the place. And we see that especially when we try to arrange family gatherings. It's really hard sometimes. And I pray that you would help us to be wise. Not to make division, but to encourage wholeness and fellowship, real fellowship. We need your help for that because it's hard and we can't do it all. Father, we also remember that we are grateful. We are grateful for salvation. We are grateful for the relationships that we have. We are grateful for the abundance that you've showered on us, both in mercy and in provision and and even in wealth. Father, you have given us so much. And so, Father, as we, as we put into the offering basket of the plenty that you have given to us, we pray that you would use it as you see fit for the building of your kingdom. And may your name be lifted up and glorified. May the church be strengthened and the lost be found. Hallowed be your name. Amen. You may
2: be seated.
3: This morning comes out of the book of Matthew, chapter 1. I'll be reading out of the NIV version, beginning with verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. And you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, "'Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews?' But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Thus far, the reading of God's word.
4: Charles Spurgeon, known as the Prince of Preachers, lived from 1834. To 1892. He pastored the largest church in London, preached over 3,600 messages, and wrote extensively. When I was reading some of his material some time ago, he said something that really caught my attention. It went something like this. Whenever I preach a message, it always ends up with Jesus because all the Old Testament prophesied and spoke about Jesus' first coming while the New Testament spoke about Jesus' fulfillment and his second coming. As Art was reading the Christmas story for us found in Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 through chapter 2 verse 6, you will have noticed that Matthew, the writer of this gospel, in chapter 2 verse 6 quotes Micah chapter 5 verse 2. Let me read it for you once again, this verse. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Like Micah, the Old Testament prophets look forward to the coming of the Messiah. And this portion of Scripture depicts the Messiah as the shepherd. Yes, the Messiah was going to be the shepherd. In the Old Testament, the leaders of Israel are portrayed and depicted as shepherds. However, in Ezekiel chapter 34, an indictment is given against the shepherds because of their unfaithfulness. Thus God says that he would shepherd his own people. And it was fulfilled when Jesus Christ was born and when he grew up and he came to shepherd because he is the true shepherd. He is the good shepherd. He is the door of life. Matthew chapter 5 verses 35 through 36 tells us this about Jesus. Jesus went throughout all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed, helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus Christ Came to be that shepherd. That is one of his names in the scriptures. He is the shepherd, the true shepherd, the good shepherd. In this morning's message, the final one in First Peter chapter and First Peter series entitled "The Overflowing Provisions of God's Grace," we want to look at chapter five, verses one through fourteen. And in this portion of scripture, Peter gives the elders instructions and then addresses addresses the church community. So 1 Peter 5, verses 1 and forward. I've entitled this message, Godly Instruction for the Whole Church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we pause before you, we give you thanks. This is the Christmas season, the day where we worship you as Lord and Savior because you came as a babe in the manger. You grew up amongst us and you gave your life at Calvary. You are the good shepherd. You are the great shepherd. You are the only shepherd. And Lord, we realize the church belongs to you. We pray Father that as we look into your word in 1 Peter that once again you would open the scriptures for us so that we would understand we would go out and be able to do your bidding. Now Lord I pray go with us go with us into the rest of this message for this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Godly instruction for the whole church, number one, be faithful to your call, and he is addressing the elders, the leaders of the church. Be faithful to your call, verses one through four. To the elders among you, I appeal as fellow elder, as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's suffering, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds, Of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing. As God wants you to be not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In chapter five, When chapter 5 opens, there is a change in the content of suffering and persecution to how the church ought to function, how it ought to function when there is difficulty going on. The elders are addressed first because they are the leaders, and the persecution would first likely be directed towards them. They need to know their role. We are also must remember that this letter, 1 Peter, is a circulatory letter that was passed around the churches in Asia Minor. We went over that um, a number of, of messages back. This letter that Peter wrote was passed from church to church. It was to encourage them as a body. The second and the last part of the chapter, verse five, um, verses five. Through 11 is directed to the community of believers and how they ought to live. Although Peter is an apostle, in verse 1 he appeals to them as a fellow elder. He would do that. He may not be present with them, but Peter is laboring along with them in the work of the kingdom of God. He reminds them that he is an eyewitness of Christ and his sufferings and that he will share in the rewards one day when Christ appears in all of his glory. Thus Peter points out to the congregation that anyone who suffers for Christ will share in the rewards. That is a glorious promise that every leader and every believer can stand on. In verse 2, Peter says, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as an overseer, or serving as overseers, elders or pastors or shepherds. These are the ones that God has given to the church. Pastor duties um, include, Warren Worsby says, pastors' duties include feeding, leading, encouraging, discipling, and guarding. The shepherd is to take the oversight and be the leader. Where would the flock be if the sheep led the shepherd or if every sheep was given his or her own way? Close quote. Elders are called to be shepherd of God's flock. Notice whose flock this is. This is God's flock. Peter says that. The congregation does not belong to the shepherds. The congregation does not belong to anyone else. The congregation belongs to Jesus Christ Himself. In Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul met with the elders of the church of Ephesus. And there, and this is what he instructed them to do. In Acts chapter 20, verse 8, in an important uh, 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 scripture, he said, uh, the uh, Act says this: Keep watch over yourself and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Let me repeat that. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. When did God purchase the believers for the church with his blood? When Jesus Christ was born, a child in Bethlehem. He grew to be a man, went to the cross, and died by shedding his blood for the remissions of sin. God shed his blood. Jesus, who is God in the flesh, paid the supreme price, the ultimate price. He bought the church with his blood. Blood. Therefore, elders' motives for serving must be correct in that they are willing to serve, not for social or financial or any other type of gain. In verse three, shepherds are not the lord, are not to lord it over others. They are not to be dictators. They are to hold and stand for the truth by serving by example. All shepherds need to be growing in servant leadership, no matter where they are or how old they may be. The apostle Paul never became fully mature, for he said this, in Philippians chapter 3, 14, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul also was moving along and dedicating himself more and more to Christ. Notice in that verses 4, one, uh, notice in verses 1 through 4, this ex- exhortation is addressed to elders, which is plural. It is plural for good reason. Everywhere that Peter and Paul planted church, or any other churches that were planted, they appointed several leaders over the congregation, more than just one. The reason, so that they work and lead together. In verse 4, Peter indicates that the chief shepherd, who is Jesus, will appear one day, and each shepherd will receive a crown of glory that will never fade. Peter now moves from focusing on the elders in the church, which leads us to the second point, godly instruction for the whole church Clothe yourself with humility, verses 5 through 7. Godly instruction for the whole church by clothing yourself with humility, verses 5 through 7. Once again, this is directed to all within the body of Christ. Everyone. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand that he may lift you in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Close quote. The NIV translation, um, it says it this way, young men in the same way be submissive to those who are older. The word older in the Greek really is Presbyterian. can be translated older or body of elders or council of elders. The ESV, the English Standard Version, the New American Standard Version, and also the King James um, Translation, translate the word Presbyterian as elders rather than just older. Peter is speaking about the church leadership instead of just being a senior person or an older person. The young men would also refer to Christians in general as they are called to be submissive to the leadership, to the elders of the church. When Peter encourages the congregation to be humble, he could be referring to the time that Jesus took off his outer garments, went and he washed the feet of the disciples. Since washing feet was reserved for the slaves and the servants, reserved for the slaves and servants, Peter points out that we all need to be humble, including leaders, when it comes to ministering to others. We ought to serve, no matter where it may be or to whom it may be. As the church comes together, they need to be humble towards one another. There's an old saying, which all, all of us have probably heard. And that is, to be humble does not mean of thinking of yourself less. It simply means not thinking of yourself at all. And when you serve, you get lost in serving. You get lost in doing what Christ has called you to do. And you forget about yourself And the most important is that you are serving others, because as you serve others, you are serving Christ himself. Pride often gets in the way when a suggestion is offered, and that's what can happen. And it takes, and when someone has said or done something that is hurtful, then perhaps we can't let go. Or when we've done a big sacrifice, and when nobody's notices it, we can be hurt. We say, "Well, didn't they notice that I was serving?" And usually, that will happen. This will happen, and then we end up perse- uh, we end up facing. Um, and when we aren't recognized, then we get hurt. When we have been not, uh, when we have. Uh, Even, pardon me, and when no one has noticed that we are gone, we get hurt and we tend to withdraw. You see, if God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, then we need to be humble. It would only make sense to humble ourselves before God. This church was experiencing persecution. The usual reaction would be to stand for your rights and fight back, right? To humble oneself means accepting the suffering, sufferings and bringing this before the Lord. Let the Lord deal with it. The, do, then in due time, not in our time, God will lift the person as they put their faith completely in, and trust in him. In verse 7, Peter tells the church, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Anxiety means worry. Anxiety means worry. If one is constantly worrying, that is a sign of pride and a sign that you do not trust in God and you don't believe that he will carry you through. Instead, the person wants to do the things their way, his way, or her way. The reason why God wants us to bring all our trials and our problems and our difficulties and our cares before him is because he cares for us. He cares for every detail in our lives. Because he cares for us, we can cast our anxieties, our burdens, our worries on him, and he will care. That is a marvelous promise that we can stand upon, that no matter where we're at, no matter how we suffer, no no matter what difficulty we may face, God is there for us. So as we go through persecution hardships and suffering we are called to the third godly instruction for the whole church which is number 3 be on guard verses 8 through 11 be on guard be self-controlled and alert your enemy the devil uh, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for whom looking for someone to devour Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Close quote. No one knew better than Peter what it was like to have the devil seeking to devour him. And he speaks from experience. The night before the crucifixion, Jesus said to Peter, recorded in Luke chapter 22, verses 31 through 34, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as weak, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. Close quote. Peter had the best intentions and the most courage to stand in the face of opposition. But this was with his strength, this was with his ability. Not with the strength of the Lord. When Jesus went out to the garden to pray with his disciples, three times he left them, and three times he came back, and three times he found them sleeping. They were sleeping. They were not on guard for the most deadliest things that was happening to the Lord at this time. Peter and the rest of the disciples failed to take the warning. So what are believers called to do? First, be self-controlled and alert. Peter said in chapter 4, verses 7 through 8, just the chapter preceding, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. We must pray. We must love one another. Without prayer and love, a marriage cannot stand, nor can the church. Second, resist. Christians must unite as an army does. They go into battle to defeat the enemy. The enemy is not other believers who disagree with us not other Bible-believing churches, and not lost souls for whom Christ died for. The enemy is Satan, and he wants to thwart the plans of God and destroy every believer's testimony and the rewards for obedience. Third, put your complete faith in God, Peter says. We must trust God for the victory and realize that Satan lies to believers and he is here to deceive the world. Jesus describes the nature of the devil when he addresses the religious leaders of his day in John chapter 8, verse 44. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry... Out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Close quote. We must remember that when Jesus confronted the devil in the wilderness and he was being tempted, where did Christ go to? He went to the word, the sword. And that is where every believer ought to go, to the sword, when confronted with Satan. Fourth, recall. Recall that other believers worldwide face hardship, suffering, and persecution the same way that you may be experiencing, and even worse. We are not alone in our struggles and our trials. Satan wants us to think that we are isolated so that he can defeat us. In summary, what is God calling us to do from this portion of Scripture today? What is he calling us to do? First, Christ is the chief shepherd because he purchased the church with his blood. God calls us to pray for our pastors and our leaders within the church and all those who are in leadership position because he has placed them there. And pray for the staff and offer to serve wherever you can. Second, God has given us gifts and talents to equip us for the service of the kingdom. And don't belittle these gifts that God has given you. And sometimes we desire a different gift. We would like this, but God has given this gift to us, and we're not really satisfied. We are to use them, what God has blessed us with. As you serve, do this with humility. Remember to be humble does not mean thinking less of yourself and saying, oh, I'm not important, and God hasn't blessed me with a good gift. He has placed a special blessing on you. And it is not thinking about yourself as you serve, it's thinking about others and thinking about service unto the Lord. Be humble when given responsibility, no matter how small or how large it may be. Finally, realize that Satan is out to destroy the church, you and I. He wants you to fall to temptation and rob you of any rewards that the Lord will give you for faithful service as you stand before him one day. Resist him with the word of God. Pray faithfully for God's will to be done. And stand firm with others believing, with other believers remembering they have or are experiencing the same trauma that you are going through. Today, I say this. May you, as a body of believers and as individuals, may Christ give you the grace and the strength to serve with all your might to do what God has called you to do.
0: Let's take our hymn books and turn to number 129. Just a reminder again that there will be no in-person services for the next little while. Uh, We'll be in touch when that changes. And uh, we'll be trying to put together a recording of Christmas Day on Wednesday is the tentative plan. So uh, all of you who might be involved, you'll be getting contacted about that. So for... I think this song is a fitting one for us to be, uh, follow through on what Dean has just preached. It's this child who enables us. What child is this? Let's sing together.
4: for the benediction found in 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 23 through 24 and part of 28 may God himself the God of peace sanctify you through and through may your whole spirit soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Heavenly Father, thank you once again for the opportunity to come and worship you. Thank you for the church that you have established. Thank you that you have called us to be part, to use our gifts and our talents for you. Help us to realize we are called to serve each other with humility. Thank you for the opportunity that we can worship, we can serve, and we can adore you. Now I pray, Lord, go with us. Give us your grace and strength and your mercy. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen.